0: welcome to the garden basics with farmer fred podcast if you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information well you've come to the right spot ed livo of tomorrowsharvest.com returns with another sweet treat of a winner for fabulous fruit fridays it's a donut style nectarine called snack time what does donut style mean? It refers to the flattened fruit. These are cultivars that were developed in the Far East thousands of years ago. Debbie Flower and I stop and gawk at the seed racks at a local nursery. You're going to get a lot of great seed starting tips when you eavesdrop on our conversation. It's all on episode 84 of the Garden Basics podcast, brought to you by SmartPots and Tomorrow's Harvest. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. It's Friday, which means it's Fabulous Fruit Friday. We are talking with Ed Livo from Birchall Nursery, home of tomorrowsharvest.com purveyors of fine fruit trees, including today's fabulous fruit tree, the Snack Time Nectarine. What the heck is that? Let's find out. Ed, nectarines are delicious. They are basically the same genus as peaches, and they're sort of like peaches without the fuzz. They are peaches without the fuzz. Exactly. But and the snack
1: time, uh, nectarine actually is a little bit more unique in that um, it's not a round nectarine as well. It's a flat nectarine. So it, re- it really makes it especially um, unique.
0: By flat, you're referring to the fact that it might be a donut peach or yeah, a donut. donut. i would be a donut nectarine, I guess.
1: I agree it's a donut nectarine and it's a
0: it's a great variety excellent variety how in the world did these flat peaches flat nectarines the donut peach if you will where did they come from man
1: they've been around for thousands of years and you know they trace themselves back to China and they were 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 revered in China um back in as far back as say the 10th century bc there's there's records of the um Donut style or flat peaches. And and they were called Pintao peaches um, at that uh, at that time or referred to as Pintao peaches. At a point, the the, actually even they were even thought to have medicinal medicinal or
0: mystical powers uh, back then as well. So they were really, really revered, really, really considered to be something. And of course, we can sound smart because we have Wikipedia and I noticed that uh, they refer to the donut peach by many names, including uh, the saucer peach, the uh, Saturn peach, uh, the Chinese flat peach, the UFO peach, and my favorite, the squashed peach, because it looks like a squashed, in this case, nectarine.
1: Yeah, it does. It does. Well, Well, and surprisingly, you know, the the Saturn peach. Um, it is one of the first of the introductions of the donut style peaches into the United States, and that was in the mid 1800s. I think somewhere around 1869, 68, it was uh, introduced, and it was either called the China peach at that time, or it was called the Saturn peach. And it, it and and then you know it it I think it probably gained some popularity at that time because of its uniqueness. But there you know came this riff in anything Chinese towards the end of the 1800s. And I think the uh, donut peach actually uh, became a
0: victim of that period as well. And it is prized, uh, not for its the fact that it'll give you eternal life, but if, if in modern day <laughs> America, it's prized for it's a uh, very sweet flavor.
1: Oh, a tremendous flavor. And, you know, in, in, in the, um, sh- short time that I've worked for virtual nursery, which is roughly a year, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm almost, I'm just about seven days over my year, um, anniversary, uh, working, um, for virtual. And, uh, but in the past, of course, you know, I, I was a part of my, um, of the Dave Wilson nursery and, and, um, there were a number of different varieties of the donut peach that um, uh, that we had dealt with there. Um, it, all of them excellent. But I can tell you this, Birchall has a splendid collection um, of different varieties of donut nectarines and uh, donut uh, style peaches that um, I've had the privilege of actually sampling throughout this last year. And I'll go over them again this year. Some of them, you know, we introduced right away because they the flavor was just absolutely you know outstanding um but others i'm still sampling um i'll take another look at them this year but man i tell you what that snack time was right up there on the
0: top it is uh, praised for its a uh, mild sweet flavor and and a taste that has been described as almond like that's interesting
1: Yeah, it's, it's got, uh, it's, it's not a subacid. It has a bit of acid in it. Um, but it has a kind of a a rich, smooth texture. Um, a little bit of a snap to the skin, which is nice, but it's small. It's not large. And that's really the idea of snack time, where this is something that, you know, you throw into your, you know, into your lunch pail or, you know, put it into your kids' lunch uh, for school. Um, it's, it's not bite sized, just a little bit bigger than that. And one or two of them, it's just not going to fill you up. It's not going to be a, a big deal. But, you know, those are going to be some special bites coming out of uh, coming out of that piece of fruit for uh, for your snack time.
0: All right. Let's dig into some of the nuts and bolts about the snack time donut style nectarine. Uh, what color is the skin? What color is the flesh? Red, red skin. And it's and it's very, very pretty red, uh, kind
1: of a uh, almost a red orange. And then the uh, yellow flesh, deep, deep, rich yellow f- flesh, and uh, melting texture.
0: And uh, speaking of the nuts, is it a cling or a freestone? I guess it would be considered a freestone donut style. Donut styles, even
1: you know, sometimes donut style peaches will 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 be somewhat cling clingy. And I, I if I'm not mistaken, I think the Galaxy is. Um, and but it's so easy to cut around the pit of a mm-hmm. of a donut style peach. Who
0: cares? And I would think that uh, like most peach or nectarine trees, it would prefer full sun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, full sun. Now, I realize tree size isn't important in the Ed livo lexicon because I'm sure no matter what size tree that would eventually become, you would say, well, you can keep it at whatever height you want.
1: Oh, yeah. Any any fruit tree should be kept under 10 feet tall in the home garden. It's just ridiculous to allow trees to get any taller than that. And even even with the excuse of deer and things like that, it's probably better to create barriers around smaller, shorter trees and set up fencing or something like that than it is to grow trees, you know, so tall that it's just inconvenient to pick all the fruit and or do things like thinning, spraying you know, the things that you need to do to maintain the tree,
0: even though, I mean, you can keep the tree at any height you want, but the uh, snack time donut style nectarine has an eventual height. If you let it grow 15 feet with a 12 foot spread, which is, which is fairly small.
1: Yeah, that's fairly small. That's only about the size of a two story building. So, I mean, you
0: know, I I, I can see where that that would be reasonable. (laughs) Okay. I get your point, Ed. (laughs) Prune the tree back no taller than you can reach.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, keep it low. That's that. that's the whole idea. Make it make it easy. Enjoy your fruit tree. Don't let your fruit tree, you know, become some monster in your
0: backyard. If your rules have not changed, I believe the time to prune that uh, nectarine tree would be like you would any other just about just about any other deciduous fruit tree would be when you're thinning the fruit in spring and then after the harvest in the summer. Correct. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty easy. You start them small, you keep them small. It's no big deal
1: right and and n- never have to worry about pruning out you know this year's fruiting wood because every cut you make during the summertime actually only generates next year's fruiting wood so it's it for the for the novice gardener it's absolutely the only way to go about pruning in my in my book um but you know for the more advanced gardener I mean they know that you can keep a tree low. And uh, and if they're and if they're not doing that, then they might have, you know, a particular uh, love for ladders or, you know, heights or, you know, possibly, you know, uh, fruit picking tools are, are their thing. I'm not sure.
0: Does the uh, snack time donut style nectarine uh, need a pollinizer nearby? No, no, it's, it's so fruitful. When the blossoms come out in in late winter, early spring on this nectarine, Ed, what color are the blooms? Nice, dark um, pink.
1: Mm. They're really a really uh, very attractive flower.
0: And how many years is it going to take you to get some fruit off this? Two years. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah,
1: I mean, most, most peaches and nectarines are that way. Some of the older, you know, the older heirloom varieties can take a little bit longer. But most peaches and nectarines will, barring, you know, any kind of climactic conditions that actually interfere with, you know, uh, fruit development or flowering or things like that, most peaches and nectarines can set fruit the second year, especially if you're pruning them and keeping them low. Keep in mind that there is just a whole bunch of other different varieties of donut peaches. And if you wanted to do a whole donut shop's worth of peaches (laughs) and nectarines in your backyard, um, you could do that. Um, You could do um, the snack time, of course, is an early variety, you know, ripening sometime in the late part of June. Uh, and um, then you could go with maybe a um, uh, sugar pie nectarine, which is a yellow that ripens in its late midseason. And then maybe an October snow, which is an amazing colored nectarine uh, with white flesh that ripens um, in the late season, sometime around late September, early October. And if you wanted to mix and match, you could plug in a galaxy peach, which is a classic. That's a white peach, and that's early. You could get one of the pink halos or the scarlet halos, which are mid-season and late, respectively. And the cool thing about them, uh, or the uh, white flesh, pink radiates into the white flesh and in the scarlet halo red radiates into the white flesh it's amazing and the flavor is to die for doing successive ripening and having all these different varieties of flat peaches would be a real novelty in anybody's yard and and you sure wouldn't be disappointed with the diverse flavor of these different varieties of donut style peaches
0: now you mentioned that it ripens in late june i imagine that's for usda zone nine how about down in usda zone six uh, it's going to be probably a month later. OK, so late July, basically.
1: Yes, correct. Donut style peaches and nectarines set a lot of fruit. They are not mm. bashful in terms of setting fruit.
0: Yeah, I have a donut style peach in my yard. It's only been there uh, three years now, three and a half years. And it is loaded with fruit uh, for the last two uh, springs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just can't hardly keep them from setting fruit. You got you to appreciate that. That's probably what you know the ancient Chinese really loved about these fruits, these trees as well, is that they were
0: abundant producers of fruit. You could have a virtual donut shop in your backyard with the snack time donut style nectarine from Tomorrow's tomorrowsharvest.com. Tell us about Tomorrow's Harvest.
1: Tomorrow's Harvest is, uh, of course, the uh, Virtual Nursery's e-commerce website. We have a wonderful uh, selection of peaches and nectarines and apples and plums and uh, plum apricot crosses and things like avocados. Mm. And we have subtropicals like guavas and mangoes and and we have blueberries, you know, just the the, the gambit. And we're always adding things. So, you know, Fred, you've known me for many years. I, I love, you know, fruits of all types and I look for rarities and unusual things, Primarily simply because that tends to be, I like new and unusual. That's what we'll be bringing in. I'm, I'm experimenting now with about uh, 10 different varieties of dragon fruit uh, that, we're, um, that we're currently growing. And we'll probably have up for sale by oh, mid to late summertime you know, they'll be ready.
0: So bookmark the site tomorrow's harvest.com. You'll find a link in today's show notes as well, along with links to more information about the snack time donut style nectarine. It's going to be a tasty fruity year for you. So why not start it off right with a snack time donut style nectarine Ed Livo from virtual nursery and tomorrow's harvest.com. Thanks for another fabulous fruit Friday. Hey, Fred, always a pleasure. And, uh, smart pots are the original award-winning fabric planter they're sold worldwide smart pots are proudly made 100 in the usa smart pots are also bpa free there's no risk of chemicals leaching into the soil your herbs vegetables and other edibles that's why organic growers prefer smart pots smart pots breathable fabric creates a healthy root structure for plants Smart pots come in a wide array of sizes and they can be reused year after year. If a frost or freeze is in the forecast, Moving your frost tender plants that are in the smart pots that have handles makes them even easier to move closer to the house for added warmth or you could even move them inside. Visit smartpots.com/fred for more information about the complete line of smart pots lightweight fabric containers. It's Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com/fred for more info and that special Farmer Fred discount on your next smart pot purchase. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. Our favorite retired horticultural college professor and I took a little trip to a local nursery to look at the seed rack. And of course, as you might imagine, the conversation tends to go down a lot of scenic bypasses. Anyway, this is what we were talking about. It started off talking about cucumber seeds and then expanded to a whole host of great seed starting tips. right what other seeds do you have with you that are i have a cucumber cucumber says homemade
2: pickles heirloom variety Uh, heirloom means that it's been around a long time humans have been growing it a long time it's been passed from generation to generation typically heirloom people will say it's been around 75 to 100 years or they'll name three or more generations it's a loosey-goosey term. It doesn't have a real strict definition. Sort of like natural. Yes. Oh, and this one says USDA, organic. So, they, so this particular variety is called homemade pickles. It is called homemade pickles. So that would lead me to believe that you want to pick them at a small size and they'll make great pickles.
0: All right. Uh, pros and cons of heirloom seeds.
2: Heirloom seeds typically have good flavor. That's why they've been passed down. They're typically reliable. That's why they've been passed down from generation to generation. And they are open pollinated, which means that they uh, you can save the seeds and plant them again and they'll, you'll get a very similar plant
0: does the cucumber flower is that a perfect flower with both male and female parts or not
2: no it's an imperfect flower it's a, either a male flower or a female flower and typically the first ones that appear on the plant are male squash is the same way and then you'll get female ones after that and so the, it's easy to tell them apart because the female ones the male ones will just be on a stem mm-hmm. the stem grows from the plant you got this big yellow flower the female ones will have what looks like a baby cucumber, and then the flower. So where the stem was on the male, it's a baby cucumber. That's just the ovaries, the ovules, the place where the seeds will form if it is pollinated. If it doesn't get pollinated, then the, what looks like a baby cucumber will turn yellow and shrivel and fall off. You'll see the flowers all day, but the pollen is ripe in the morning and the uh, stigmatic surface the female flower is receptive in the morning and that doesn't continue all day so if you want if you're having trouble getting your your squash or cucumbers to pollinate you need to go out in the morning find the male pick it off the plant and take it over to the female flower and touch the central portion which has the pollen on it yellow very rich yellow pollen to the inside of the female flower, and then you've done the pollination for it, and you'll get a cucumber or a squash.
0: Yeah, we should point out that it's not just cucumbers that are like that. It would be all the members of the squash family as well, zucchini, uh, your winter squashes. And And your melons. Melons too, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's right. The cucurbits. Cucurbits, right. Whatever. Okay, (laughs) all right. So again, heirloom seeds are going to give you flavor, but production may be kind of iffy. Yes, you don't know, and...
2: That's like the, the beefsteak. There are certain types that aren't as productive in our climate as they might be with your cousin in the Midwest or whatever. So, so knowing, going to reputable sites um, that have lists of, of cultivars or types of tomato, squash, cucumber, um, that do best in your environment locally all gardenings local i somebody I know oh, yeah. said that somebody <laughs> Then yes, that then then if you want lots of production, those are the ones you want to go for.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, heirlooms uh, perform best where they originated from. Take for example the Brandywine tomato from Pennsylvania and that area. They do fine back there, but out here, I think our humidity's too low, the day's too warm. They just right. don't perform very well. Right, you're absolutely right. What else you got there?
2: Well, we were looking at the cucumber. Cucumber is one that I prefer to direct seed doesn't have to be direct seeded, but a trick to know about cucumbers is if there are more than four leaves on the plant in the pot. Squash would be the same way. Melons would be the same way. There are more than four leaves on the plant. It will not grow well in your garden. It will be stunted forever. So when we sold these at the sale, we would start them. It says it takes sprouts in seven to 14 days. We would start them just about two weeks, maybe three before the sale. And so they're just little baby plants. They might have a leaf on them. They might still show that stem arch be coming out of the ground. And then you want to take them home and put them in the ground right away. If you, there's, if you let them grow in the pot
0: too long, it will be stunted forever. And we should point out the sale you were talking about are your college horticultural classes, plant sales that you used to have at American River College and Sierra College. Correct, yes. <laughs> always fun working with the students and growing things.
2: All right. And uh, cucumbers, is, is that considered a dioecious plant? Yes. Dioecious means two houses. Well, no, it's monoecious. I'm sorry. Monoecious is one house, but the girls live in one place and the boys live in another place. So it has male flowers and female flowers on the same plant. Dioecious is two houses. You have one plant that is male flowers and one plant that has female flowers. And the a pollinator, like a, a bee, has to bring the pollen from
0: one to the other. Or wind can be a pollinator as well. Or you taking the male flower and rubbing it against the female right. flower at 9 a.m. Right. A morning chore. <laughs> right. All right, what else you got there? Oh, some marigolds. Yeah, yeah, flowers, too. Annual flowers can be started from seed. You can start those ahead of time, too. Marigolds love the heat, Mm -hmm. so you don't want to put those out in the garden until late April, early May, late May. So if you want to start them from seed, how long does it take for those to come up? Usually five uh, to seven days. All right, that's pretty quick. Yes,
2: and they flower in summer. You might say, well, marigolds are so common, I can buy them anywhere I want to go. Yes, but you won't get the same variety, the same amount of choice as
0: you will at the seed rack. There are marigolds that range in height from six inches or so all the way up to three feet, like the African marigolds. So, yeah, there's a lot more variety on the seed rack when it comes to marigolds. Yes, and many things, tomatoes and
2: and zinnias and uh, uh, different types of corn, uh, all kinds of things that you will find more choice on the seed rack than you will Uh,
0: at your local plant vendor. In fact, looking at the seed rack here, I'm looking at some heirloom zinnias that are called California Giants. So I'm assuming by the name that they originated here in California, hence they would probably do well here.
2: Yes, good point. I wouldn't want to buy arctic glow zinnias or something because they probably love it cold and would, would not do well here. The, the common name can give you some information like that.
0: Yeah, well, gardening is local. All right. Uh, all right, Have we we've
2: ran through the... Uh... There's, a, there's a... Oh, one thing that comes up often with the squash, the cucurbits. So we said there was the uh, cucumber, squash, winter squash, summer squash, um, melons. If they share pollen, will the fruit taste differently? So, if a, if a winter squash gets a summer squash pollen, will, will the winter squash be different? Will it become a summer squash, or will it become a taste, uh, winter squash with taste different? Something like that. The answer is no. The pollen stimulates the production of the seeds in the plant and provides some of the genetics. But it doesn't change the fruit that forms. And that's for year one. That's for year one, right. If you save seed from that, then you're getting the different (laughs) genetics. But for the year that you planted them, no, you will not get a different fruit. If you liken that to humans, when a human gets pregnant, the woman's body gets bigger, but it it doesn't change. It doesn't become a man's body. So the fruit that's going to form already exists, as we said, that's how you define the female flower, and it just expands. It doesn't change. All right. If you it, save seed from that, you will get something different
0: next year. Exactly. That that is the uh, one of the issues with uh, the the or whatever you call them. Mm-hmm. Now, when you go shopping for seeds this time of year, you're going to find all sorts of squash. You'll find zucchini squash, for example, that uh, will mature in the summertime. But you're going to find winter squashes too, including pumpkins, which is considered a winter squash. Yes, they definitely are winter squash,
2: and and so. So uh, the question asked very frequently is what, what's a winter squash should I plant it in the winter? The answer is no the plant grows in the summer as does the summer squash plant grow in the summer but the fruit that forms on a winter squash has a very hard outer coating like a pumpkin does and can be stored into the winter and so they provide a food supply in the winter
0: but the plant grows in the summer One tip about planting winter squash seeds, you can sow those directly. In fact, I'd I'd probably recommend it just because uh, transplants of squashes sometimes can be a little persnickety. But when planting squash seeds, it it used to be, tell me if this has changed or not. They used to say, put a mound of soil in your yard, maybe raise it eight inches and have it on the top flat for about 12 inches, plant six seeds in a circle, and then keep the two strongest seedlings that come up and, and take out the rest. Ha, ha, ha. Nobody ever does that. They leave all of them, and the next thing you know, you've got a yard full of pumpkins.
2: Right. So, uh, I, I don't fully understand why they recommend that. I have to say, the raising it up onto a, um, a slightly raised place would be for drainage. Right.
0: But, and usually it says, especially among the giant pumpkin growers, uh, if, whenever they offer clues how to grow them, they always say to work in lots of steer manure into that uh, little raised plateau.
2: Right. So you've got some nutrition for that initial root growth. We did grow giant uh, uh, pumpkin at uh, American River College one summer, and there's all kinds of techniques. But if you want a giant pumpkin, you have to start with seed that will produce a giant pumpkin. Right. It is not something that... You can coax out of something that genetically will only be a small pumpkin. So I just plant them direct seed. In fact, this packet says when to start inside, not recommended. Yeah,
0: okay. Yeah, there you go. Right. Debbie Flower, thank you for all this good information. My pleasure, Fred. Always fun talking about seeds. Warmer weather means that fruit trees and berry bushes will soon spring to life with the promise of tasty, nutritious, fresh fruit for you and your family. So what are you waiting for? A website with more information? Okay, you've got it. It's TomorrowsHarvest.com, your go-to site for a complete line of backyard fruit trees and bushes. Tomorrow's Harvest fine line of fruit trees is the result of 75 years of developing, testing, and growing. Three generations of the Birchall family have been at the forefront of research and development of plants of the highest quality, and all of these beautiful edible plants have been carefully cultivated for your home garden. Look for Tomorrow's Harvest fruit trees at Better Retail Nurseries. And if your favorite nursery doesn't carry any of Tomorrow's Harvest fruit, nut, and berry varieties, you can order them directly from tomorrowsharvest.com. And when you order them online, they come in plantable paper pots ready for you to stick Directly in the ground pot and all let the Birchell family's three generations of experience take root in your home orchard landscape and garden tomorrow's harvest it's goodness you can grow if you want to find out more about their nutritious and delicious fruit and nut varieties visit tomorrowsharvest.com the garden basics with farmer fred podcast has a lot of information posted at each episode transcripts, links to any products or books or websites mentioned during the show, and other helpful links for even more information. Plus, you can listen to just the portions of the show that interest you. It's been divided into easily accessible chapters. Plus, you'll find more information about how to get in touch with us. Maybe you could leave an audio question without making a phone call. You can do that at SpeakPipe. That's SpeakPipe.com slash Garden Basics. It's easy. Give it a try. And you just might hear your voice on the Garden Basics podcast. If you're listening to us via Apple Podcasts, put your question in the ratings and reviews section. You can always text us the question and pictures or use your voice to leave a question at 916-292-8964. That's 916 292 8964. You can always use the good old email, fred at farmerfred.com. That's fred at farmerfred.com. And when you leave a question, be sure to tell us where you're from. That will help us greatly to accurately answer your garden questions because, as you know, all gardening is local. In the show notes, you'll find links to our social media outlets as well where you can leave questions or make comments Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And there's a link to the FarmerFred.com website. Thanks for listening to Garden Basics with Farmer Fred, brought to you by SmartPots. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday. It's available on many podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, Stitcher, and many more. And if you're listening on Apple, please leave a comment or a rating. That helps us decide which garden topics you'd like to see addressed. And again, thank you.